Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Hi, I am your host, Mark. So glad you have joined me. Welcome to the podcast. So took a week off last week uh, for a lot of reasons, honestly. Uh, one was I just ran out of time. I uh, just kept padding on my mind. Early mornings, late nights, suddenly it's like, man, that podcast would be rough if I recorded it right now. And you th- <laughs> So, you know, we moved past that. But welcome. This is where we want to look at. This podcast is dedicated to that idea that if you lead safety first, you're engaging your people, you're analyzing your process, and you're finding those drivers to really change your organization for the better. And so glad you have joined me for this episode. And let's get started. Let's just jump right in. One of the biggest pieces of news is about COVID. We're still living in that world almost two years later. We're really looking at different, what does it mean? from a safety standpoint for infectious disease, not just bloodborne, but now infectious airborne style diseases. What do we do? Supreme court heard the argument. Okay. To go forward with the healthcare part of it. The general industry part was taken down. OSHA actually said, they're not going to fight that one. They're pulling it all together. They're looking at longer term regulations for uh, the type of infectious disease standard for general industry. But as far as an ETS, we are out of that regulatory gray area. We're now moving forward with whatever it is that's out there. This is both, to me, this was a very interesting argument. And I'm trying to be very apolitical here because I don't want to get into the politics of whatever is going on with this. This is a real hazard. We don't want to hurt people, but is it the right way that they were handling it? A lot of arguments from labor unions to experts to legal experts that the vax or test method may not have been the right way, that the administration of OSHA focused too much on the idea of vaccination versus all the other protective methods that could be out there that would help prevent infectious disease, because especially if we look forward. So let's say that this is not just a COVID OSHA standard, but this is an infectious disease standard. We may come across a variant. We may come across some sort of disease that happens and can be propagated into the workplace that we don't have a vaccine for. Or we may not have reliable testing for. What do we do then? When the whole idea behind this really focused on 
the vaccination or testing. And it had other reasonable measures, but it was so heavy on the idea of vaccination and testing as the protocol. And so there was some argument that maybe it was a good start, but it really missed the mark of what else should we be thinking about in the future, the next wave, the next potentially item, disease that would enter the workplace. What would we do? How do you handle it? And a lot of it should be performance-based. I think that is probably the better way to go, is that you look at your risk as your organization, and you put together a plan. You do your very best due diligence based on the science, based on the technology, based on your workflow, your work path, your work, and you work from there, just like any other JSA, almost like I would say... I use the idea of like PSM where it's all performance and you have to have metrics that would evaluate your performance, both leading and lagging. And between those metrics and between your performance, you get your feedback. So it's all about your, your process. Do you have a good process in place to prevent an infectious disease from spreading like wildfire through your organization? And if you have it and your data that you're collecting shows that it's working, you keep going. If you start to see leading data or even lagging data that would show it's not working, you need to change what you're doing. You need to think further. You need to start getting some other people involved or experts or ideas. And every workplace is different. And that's why a one-size-fits-all policy doesn't work for that type of diverse environment that we have where some workers are very remote even in different warehousing or in different areas, your work cell may not be very close to your neighbor. It may be well outside of any type of reasonable type of where it contagion could happen. And in those work environments, wasn't really necessary, even though you're in the same building, you're coming in, we can stagger work shifts. Maybe you're your machine or your work cell or your work environment or the work you do naturally, you're isolated until maybe a lunch break or time to go home. Then you look at where is the risk there and can we mitigate it reasonably? Are there ways that we can mitigate and handle the risk and evaluate and reduce that risk? That is where the policy should be focused. And I thought that was some really interesting arguments that I read through about where I think that's where it failed mostly was that it was so dependent on right now. It was right in your face. And that's certainly the, the, the ETS was supposed to be there right now, but they were also looking at springboarding that into an infectious disease standard. So I think long-term we may see that infectious disease standard, but there's going to have to be a lot of work. It's going to have to be very different than what we saw in the ETS and what has changed now and made it even more difficult without without the federal government saying, here is your standard, they've left it up to the states, cities, businesses, municipalities to kind of write their own rules. And I have seen all kinds because the work I'm currently in, we service so many different industries, which is awesome. I, I love the, the diversity. I love the challenge of it. But everybody's policy is so different. Some are throwing out the idea that you have to have an N95 respirator 
I'm like, okay, well, do you understand the implication of what you've said with respiratory required? Uh, or is it just masking? Is it remote work, which most of our work is fairly remote. It's usually off shift or in a remote location. So there's so much now that we're having to digest on this topic from looking at different organizations, looking at different cities, different states. Everybody's trying something different. New York leading the way with their mandates of vaccination and proving it. But there, if you dig deeper in the FAQs, if you dig deeper into it, there are some caveats that you can look at based on the work you're doing inside the city that may give you some leniency. And a lot of organizations didn't understand it. They got scared very quickly. They started running with it. They started asking for things without fully understanding why or what, or even the idea that they have options within the organization. I think this is going to continue. I see it. I just keep hoping that every week, every month, we're going to get past it. And I'm very optimistic that we're going to find our path. It's going to take some time. Hopefully by summer, I'm hopeful, uh, we'll get past it. But until then, we're going to keep talking about it because it is taking so much effort and so much time in how we lead safety. So until uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll switch topics and talk more. This is the Leading and Learning Through Safety Podcast. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamalgamated.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Again, thank you for choosing my podcast. I cannot say that enough that I really appreciate you listening. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be a part of what I call my labor of love. I love doing this podcast. I really enjoy every aspect of it. And thank you for listening. I do want to point out that coming up here later in February, the ATSSA is having their convention and expo. I will be a speaker there. If you're interested in traffic safety or have anything to do with that style of work of traffic, traffic control, it's a great convention and an amazing expo. I'm looking forward. This will be my first time attending. It'll be the first time I've been in a work environment where I need to learn more. I've, I've got a whole list of different places and speakers I am going to be there listening for, but I am honored to be there. And my focus is, yeah, it's on traffic safety, but it's about people safety. How do we create an awareness and an eagerness for our team to want that safety message? How do we create that motivational need in adults to learn? And especially learn safety and learn traffic safety and learn how to protect themselves while they're doing work around traffic or the public or 
setting up even their idea of training to be a JSA. So going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. Please, uh, if it's something that's on your topic, something you want to learn about, this is a great opportunity. I'm excited to be there. I would love if you would come to, to my talk. I would be honored. But of course, there's going to be so, so many other great speakers. It's hard to choose. And so it's going to be, I'm excited, uh, if you couldn't tell, super excited to be there. Earlier, so a little bit over a week ago, I was part of a Safety and Health magazine, the National Safety Council. I was part of a webinar talking about creating a sustainable safety culture. I just want to take a few minutes and say how amazing that was. I was so pumped to be part of that discussion. I think the webinar link will be coming out soon. If you didn't get a chance to see it, you would be able to. I think it's well worth the time to watch it. It was some great material presented. Uh, I wasn't the only speaker. I was just one of one of them. Um, but the material, just overall, I was just amazed and floored by it and loved every moment of it. And it was so exciting to be part of a Zoom call and you see like the numbers really climb up. And with those calls, I don't, it's not necessarily a matter of how many people sign in. It's a matter of how many people stay in and the numbers stayed consistent to the end. I was so excited because I know if you start boring people on a Zoom call or even a podcast, um, they just turn it off, (laughs) click the button, they're done. And it stayed consistent. We had very high numbers all the way through and man, that was great. And even better is you always, you always have some prepared questions in case that there's silence when you go, Hey, we got last 10 minutes, any questions out there? And there's just nothing or radio silence. You always have some filler that you can keep talking about. Well, let's talk about this for a few minutes while we're filling time and waiting for a question. We had so many questions and there wasn't even enough time to answer them all. So there's going to be, they're going to submit the questions back to us in writing for us to fill out and answer. Cause we didn't get to them all about culture and experience and communication. Loved it. I love answering questions. I love helping be a part of the discussion because I'll tell you, I don't have all the answers, but I love the discussion that we can have to maybe find an answer or found, find a route to an answer because we all have these different experiences in our career, whether it be leading, whether it be safety, whether it be full leadership, we have these experiences and that's where networking is so important is if we come to the table together to admit that we may not have all the answers, we may be really experienced in it, but someone else who is really experienced in it could have a whole different flavor. And that's why I love the safety profession is you can set two people who are equally experienced in a topic and pick any topic you like in safety. Record keeping is one everybody argues over. Confined spaces, a culture, especially you set them down to have them start having a respectful discussion. You're going to learn something. And your opinion is going to be, generally speaking, we all have that same idea that we're here to protect our people. We want to reduce harm to our people. But the way we go about it, and that's why I love these questions. I love answering them and seeing them and having that a friendly debate even to bounce off ideas. Because I will be the very first to mention that I am not going to have all the answers. I'm going to have an opinion probably about the answer, but I love discussing it. And that's why I think it's important that we have those discussions, even with our leadership, because our leadership 
as a safety professional, we, this is I'm kind of bridging into the idea and continuing the discussion about a sustainable safety culture and how do you create it. The first thing you have to do is you've got to have time with your leaders. You've got to have, make sure they're making time to hear you. If you are the voice of safety for your organization, if you are the person that is having to lead that vision, having to help establish the culture. Now, no safety person can do it alone. We are only kind of the, I guess, the direction. We, we set the course. We help guide people. We help educate. But there's no way one person could ever change it alone. We can certainly set a tone. We can get the ball rolling. We can't do it alone. And that's where we need to make sure that we are on board together, that we're getting that time. And the first step is to get time with your leadership team, the ones that are the decision makers. And you talk about the topics and you let that organic conversation happen. Like, we need to change our culture. We've seen near misses. Here's what I think we can do. Do you like this plan? Yes or no? And why? What have you seen in the past? And have that conversation. And sometimes you got to go back and look at some, they'll bring up something, you know, well, I never thought of that, but I'm not sure we can do that. Let me check on it. <laughs> you have to go back and look at it. But number one, you really have to get that time. Have that conversation. Make sure that you're getting communication. Communication always isn't one way, and it can't be one way. It has to be two way. And that's where they can't be on their phone, answering emails, but also you don't want to waste their time. They're, they're very time constrained. Hopefully you're already getting that time with them, but sitting down and having that 30 minute conversation about a few different topics to get the information flowing, to set the vision, to set the goal, and then going with it and running with it. That's the beginning of culture. And to really, sometimes we have to have that hard conversation that and this is being proven more and more through a lot of research, that the decisions our leadership make are causing either good things to happen in safety or harm to people. We have to talk about that. We have to make it apparently clear that the decisions we make as leaders and the decisions they make as leaders can lead to harm, to hurting people. And that's our goal not to do that. So thank you for joining me always happy to have you as uh, with me as we have this chat and until next time we talk stay safe listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.